Hey there, everybody. This is your host, Michelle Ann Olson, and you are listening to Are You Afraid of the Bark? The podcast that goes bark in the night. Welcome, everyone, to this episode 19. And it's a bit appropriate that it's episode 19, I feel, because this is my first episode of this new year of 2019. I hope that your holiday season was really relaxing and special and filled with love and with loved ones. I hope that you had the chance to reflect on 2018 and to look forward to everything that 2019 has to offer. I love the new year because it's so rich and clean and full of potential, like we haven't quite messed it up yet. It's just a nice idea. Definitely one of the best things that I did last year was start this podcast. One of the most rewarding has been to put it out there and to get feedback from all of you and to get to meet and interact with some of you in person and on social media. Diving into this community of podcasters has been so rewarding. I've met and interacted with incredible people just in the six months that I've been doing this, and I'm happy to be a small part of that community. A very small, very humble part, but part of that community of incredible creators, most of whom are just so supportive and welcoming to new voices, even though there are so, so, so many of us. So I'm really, that was, that was a big victory for me in 2018. And I'm looking forward to continuing the podcast in this new year in 2019, continuing to improve the quality of the stories that I bring to you each week my own presentation, my own performance as a host. And as you know, if you follow the podcast on social media, and if you don't, by the way, please go follow us on social media. Um, As you know, one of my big resolutions this year will be to produce this podcast on time every week, every Friday, to be just a little bit more consistent so that you can know as a listener that the podcast, the latest episode, is going to be there in your queue downloaded, ready to go Friday morning. That's a big resolution for me this year, for me and for you. Now, this episode 19, this first episode of 2019, I wanted to do something just just fun, fun and spooky. And I thought about it and then it came to me. You know what I love? I love urban legends. Urban legends are like the gift that keeps on giving. They're scary. They're ridiculous. Sometimes they're so ridiculous as to be laugh out loud funny, but they always come with just the slightest chance that they really did happen to a friend of a friend of yours or to a friend of a friend of mine. Urban legends, for the most part, are not true. They simply cannot be substantiated. They're so gross and outlandish that most of them can't possibly be based in reality. And yet, at their very core, the thing that makes an urban legend an urban legend, that allows it to be repeated and repeated and to never die, is that always at its core is a nugget of a little life lesson. A word of warning that we could all probably benefit from listening to. So, no matter how outlandish the legend itself is, there's always that tiny grain of truth that maybe even makes you, I know that you're a logical, skeptical person like me, 
that's not true. <laughs> like I buy into this stuff 100%. As you know, I'm a big old coward and this stuff keeps me up at night, but it might even cause a logical skeptical person like you to wonder in the very back of your head, is this true? Did this happen? Is this a danger to me? And that's the beautiful power of the urban legend. They're a direct symptom of like urban living and the dangers of modern life. And they always have that that little nugget of truth to them, that little word of warning that tingle up our spine as we're walking home alone that it would behoove us to listen to. So today what I wanted to do is present some of my favorite urban legends starring dogs. These urban legends all feature a dog in some way, shape, or form. And so what I wanted to do is, is just share some of these, some of my favorite dog-based urban legends. And I hope that they give you just a little frisson, just a little chill down your spine, because that's what an urban legend is meant to do. So I'm going to start with a tale called The Little Black Dog. Now, if you are about my age, I'm 30, if you didn't know, that's there it is, there's the, the awful truth. If you are about my age, maybe you grew up with this series of books called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I feel like anybody I talk to who's in my age range, maybe born in the late 80s, stumbled across these books at some point in their childhood and was invariably scarred because they, the stories themselves are for the most part based in folklore, oral legends, urban legends. The stories themselves are spooky, but these books featured the most incredible pencil, black and white drawings. Just the absolute stuff of nightmares that had no place being in a series of books meant for children. I stumbled across these books, loaned them out from my Catholic elementary school's library, so God only knows why they were there in the first place. I remember one image in particular of a childlike ghost with empty sockets for eyes, this pencil, this black and white drawing accompanying this little one-page story. That image in that book, I'm not sure which volume because there were many, it kept me up for days. So this story, The Little Black Dog, is from, or it's not from, it appeared in one of the volumes of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And I'm going to post the accompanying image from that story from these volumes of books on social media because where this volume of books is concerned, the images give the stories so much more power. So this story, it appeared in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Alvin Schwartz or Al Schwartz, but the story is much older and has appeared in other volumes of sort of folk tales and urban legends. This is the story of the little black dog. There was an old man named Billy who claimed that he was being followed around by a little black dog. He said it followed him wherever he went and wouldn't leave him alone. Billy could often be seen hollering and cursing and throwing rocks, trying to drive the dog away. All of the people in town thought he was crazy, because there was no dog there. Whenever somebody tried to tell Billy there wasn't any dog to see, he'd reply, Maybe you don't see it, but I do. 
and I'm not any crazier than you are. As the story goes, the first time Billy saw the little black dog was the day he killed Silas Burton. Back in those days, the town was full of robbers and bandits. Everyone carried a gun, and people were always going around fighting each other, or killing each other. Billy was a young man back then, and he hated Silas Burton. They had been feuding for years. One day, Billy saw Silas come riding toward him. As soon as their eyes met, both men went for their guns. Billy managed to get to his first and fired off the first shot. He hit Silas Burton square in the shoulder, knocking him off his horse. The horse got a fright and ran off, leaving Silas Burton lying there in the dirt with a bloody arm and a broken back. His gun had fallen where he couldn't reach it, and he was just a sitting duck. He lay there on the ground, writhing in pain and begging Billy not to kill him. Billy just looked down at him and spit in his face. Then he leveled his gun and killed him in cold blood. Silas Burton's little black dog came running over and started licking the dead man's face. Then it let out a pitiful whine and started barking and snarling at Billy. Still in a murderous rage, Billy killed the dog too and left both the corpses lying there in the road. Back then there was no law in the town, so there was no sheriff and no deputies to arrest Billy. After the murder, he just walked home, drank a few beers, and went to bed. But all night long he heard the little black dog whining outside his cabin. I must be imagining things, Billy said to himself as he tossed and turned in bed. That dog is dead. I know, because I shot it myself. The next morning when Billy woke up, he looked out the window and saw the dog staring back at him. It was waiting for him outside. From that moment on, not a day went by when he didn't see it. At night, the dog would be scratching on his door and barking to be let in. During the day, it would follow him around town. Billy kept finding black dog hairs everywhere. They were on his sofa, on the floor, in his bed, and sometimes he even found them in his food. The whole house stank of dog. It ain't my imagination, Billy said. That's C. Burton's little black dog. Things went on like that for many years. Then one morning, in the middle of winter, the neighbors didn't see any smoke coming out of Billy's chimney. When they went up to his house to check up on him, Billy wasn't there. A few days later, they found his body lying in a field behind his cabin. Billy had plenty of enemies, and at first it seemed like somebody might have killed him, but there wasn't a mark on him. He was lying in the snow, and there weren't any footprints out there except for Billy's. The doctor couldn't find anything wrong with the body, and he couldn't figure out the cause of death. He said that Billy might have died of old age, or a heart attack, or the cold, but nobody really believed that. There was something odd about his death. When the neighbors found Billy, there were black dog hairs on his clothes. There were even a few on his face. It smelled like a dog had been out there. Yet no one had seen a dog anywhere. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of story that a little Catholic schoolgirl should have been able to <laughs> pick up and loan out of her school's library in grade five. So I will post the accompanying image to social media so you can get a sense of the drawings that accompanied the stories in this volume of folk tales and scary stories. The image of the little black dog is not even the scariest, but it'll it's certainly 
evokes a mood when you're reading these stories in grade five under your covers with a flashlight because you weren't supposed to have taken out this book of scary stories from the library at all. Anyway, <laughs> like dredging up deep, dark, twisted memories. This probably explains why I'm both fascinated by and abhorred by ghost stories to this day. Let's move on to our next urban legend featuring a dog. I'm absolutely positive that you've heard this story before, but it's worth retelling, I think. And this is the story of the dog's lick. A young girl is staying by herself in the house for the first time. Her parents have told her, if you get scared, put your hand under the bed and the dog will lick it. He'll keep you safe. She turns on the TV and watches the news. The reporters are talking about a serial killer who has escaped prison and is on the loose, and they warn everyone not to go out after dark. The girl is scared, and she runs around her house, locking all the windows. She goes down to the basement, but the window there is jammed, and she can't close it. So instead, she locks the basement door. When she goes to bed, she calls her dog up, and he crawls under the bed. She is still frightened, but manages to go to sleep. She wakes up in the middle of the night to a loud dripping noise coming from the bathroom. The noise is loud and annoying, but for some reason she finds it unsettling. Her room is dark and she's afraid to get up to check it. She sticks her hand under the bed like her parents told her to do and feels the dog's warm, wet tongue licking it. She tries to turn on her bedside lamp, but the switch isn't working. She becomes even more scared and buries under the covers. She puts her hand under the bed again. The dog licks it, and she manages to go back to sleep, listening to her dog's heavy breathing to calm her. She sleeps with one arm dangling under the bed where her dog can lick it occasionally and vows to check the dripping in the morning. The next day, she gets up and goes to the bathroom to shower. As she pulls back her shower curtain, she's horrified to see her dog hanging by a rope from the shower head, dead. Blood is trickling from it, thick and stale and written in its blood across the bathroom wall are the words, Humans can lick, too. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that story a million different times. That's the kind of urban legend that truly does have a life of its own, and is told and retold. Details vary, like the age of the victim, the window that can't be closed in the basement, but always that punchline. I'm positive that you've heard that one before. But if you hadn't, you're welcome. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's unsettling, to say the least. And this next story, that of the choking dog, has a lot of similar themes. It warns us against the dangers of being alone, of not securing our homes or apartments properly. I think that these stories speak especially, they target fears of young women, fears of walking alone at night or being alone in their apartment at night. I'm not sure what the lesson is exactly, apart from closing your windows and locking your doors and being cautious and having your guard up. I suppose that those are all good and healthy things to do, but these two stories do seem to target young women as though to tell them that they shouldn't be alone at all. Not sure how I feel about that lesson, but... 
I will admit that as I record this alone in my apartment, even though it's the middle of the day, I am leaning over to double check that my front door is locked and barred, and it is indeed. So there you go. Maybe I've learned something. This is the story of the choking dog, or the choking Doberman. There was a woman who lived in a small house in the suburbs of a big city. She wasn't married and lived alone, with only her big dog to keep her company. The dog was a Doberman. One evening, the woman came home from work and found her dog choking on something. It was lying on the living room floor and gasping for air. The woman dropped her purse and tried to clear her dog's throat, but she had no luck. Concerned about the animal's welfare, she immediately loaded her pet into the car and drove him to the nearest vet's office. The vet examined the Doberman right away and said he would probably have to operate in order to remove the obstruction in the dog's windpipe. He told the woman to go home and he'd call her later to let her know how things went. Meanwhile, the dog was still gasping for air and growing weaker by the minute. The flustered woman went straight home, but as she was closing the front door behind her, she got a call on her mobile phone. That uh, just dated the story in a big way, by the way. She got a call on her cell phone. It was the vet and something seemed to be seriously wrong. Listen carefully, he said in an urgent tone. You need to get out of the house right now. Go to your neighbor's place. Wait for the police to arrive. I've already called them. Go now. Shocked and frightened, the woman wasted no time and ran straight out the front door. A few minutes later, a police car arrived with its sirens blaring. The policemen got out and explained that they had to search the house. They entered through the front door with their guns drawn. The woman was speechless. She had no idea what was happening. She called the vet and asked him what was going on. I managed to clear the obstruction in your dog's throat, he said. When I found out what he was choking on, I called the police. You see, your dog was choking on three human fingers. After the police searched the place, they found a masked man in the woman's bedroom closet. He was armed with a knife and cowering in pain, clutching his right hand. The dog had indeed bitten off three of his fingers. So actually, you know what? You know what the moral of the story is here? Have a dog. Are you a single woman living in the city alone? Have a dog. Get a big-ass Doberman. That's really what these stories are saying. And I'm going to assume that my having a cat, my having Coco, is also enough to predict me. That makes sense, right? Just get a pet. Have a pet. That's clearly what these stories are teaching us. And I'm going to leave you now with one of my very favorite kinds of urban legends, and this is the more modern creepypasta. Creepypasta, if you don't know, are horror stories or legends that are born on the internet. Oftentimes, they are created as works of fiction by someone on the internet, but are presented in a very realistic fashion and are then propagated, particularly online, until these stories... Basically, we're creating myths. We're creating... We're fast-tracking legends. And a very well-known example of a creepypasta is Slenderman. And we know, given the Slenderman murders that happened a few years ago, that although this story started as an act of fiction, essentially started from a Photoshop contest, and this whole legend was born around these Photoshopped images of Slenderman. We see in the fact that 
two young girls carried out a murder inspired by this fictional character. We see how, even though these stories aren't true, how they can sort of embed themselves in our psyche, how there's just enough of an element of realism that maybe we doubt whether or not they're really true. We see the power of the urban legend I mean, the horrific power, in this case, of a creepypasta. So I'm going to leave you. My final story of this episode is a creepypasta. This is a story propagated on the internet, born on the internet, and that is the story of the graying dog. It comes out of nowhere, and no one knows what causes it to appear. Like a curse, it will follow and haunt you, keeping you from enjoying your daily responsibilities, defying your common sentiments of rationality and grounded theories. The creature has been simply dubbed the graying dog. This is because from afar it looks like a large canine. As you would imagine, it walks on all four of its legs and has a bit of a snout, although it doesn't seem to have a tail whatsoever. Its coat is a pale hue that has no color and stands around seven or eight feet tall. When it appears to you, it will always seem to be very distant, and at first you may not even notice it in the background. Once you do see it, you will notice its artificial-looking gait. Its feet barely touch the ground and it rocks indolently from its front to its hind legs as if it was suspended or weighed almost nothing. It stays within your view and will travel back and forth, keeping its eyes on you. I would strongly advise that you ignore it entirely, for the longer you look at the creature, the more your surroundings begin to distort. Trees and buildings around you will seem to disappear until the ground is flat and there is nothing for miles except the creature dancing before you. Yes, hello, I did not read this story before I started reading it live to you just now. This is me saying that I do not like this story, and I'm sorry for bringing it into your life, but I'm going to finish it. Sorry. <laughs> I really don't like it. As you continue to watch it, it will approach you little by little. It only becomes more mesmerizing the closer it gets. When it's at an uncomfortably close distance, you will be able to see its eyes. Its eyes are not that of a dog, though. Its eyes are white, with solid black pupils, always locked on yours. Its mouth stays ajar, revealing that it has absolutely no teeth, nothing but blackish-looking gums. Its expression almost looks as if it was surprised. You cannot allow it to become too close to you, for it gains more control over you the closer it gets. Just remember that it cannot approach you if you do not look at it or pay it any attention. The creature may moan lightly to get your attention, will begin to sob and cry the longer you ignore it. When you hide in your home, you will hear it brushing up against your windows, and it will peer inside and look at you through any cracks in the blinds or curtains. You mustn't heed it any attention, lest this will continue on and on. You should not attempt to hide in a closet or any place that does not have a direct link to the outside of your house, for it will come inside and wait outside the door to the room and there will be no way to escape. While you try to sleep, you will feel it watching you. You mustn't allow it to know if you're awake. It comes into your room at night, hoping to fill your dreams with its appearance. If you keep your eyes shut and breathe normally, it will leave before the sun comes back up. From time to time, it will disappear and then reappear but just as long as it does not know that you see it and are aware of it, it cannot hurt you. Thanks, I hate it. This is the danger of me keeping stories until I record to keep them fresh and to keep, you know, to hopefully keep a little bit of, of freshness to the way that I read and tell these stories. 
the danger is that that would <laughs> I really hate it. I'm very regretful that I started that story at all. Now it's out there. It, I just I just don't like it. And it was accompanied by this this photo of this. And again, this is all made up. Somebody made this up. Somebody made this up and put it on the internet and doctored a photo to accompany it. So why am I so creeped out right now? That is the power of the creepypasta. Most of them are so badly written. But that one, that one creeped me out. So there you have it. This has been a telling, a retelling of some classic and some new urban legends and creepypasta featuring dogs. I wish that I had some greater lesson to impart on you, but I think that I'll have to go with get a dog, the bigger the better, lock your doors, lock your windows, and we're all screwed. So that's that's what those urban legends have to teach us. Anyway, this episode has been a lot of fun. They're creepy stories. I like them a lot. I hope you enjoyed them. This does conclude our episode 19. Welcome to 2019. Welcome to this first episode of this podcast in 2019. I'm really hopeful that there will be great things in store for this podcast in the coming months, in the coming year. So, as always, if you're not following the podcast on social media, I would urge you to do so. You can reach out to me in a number of ways. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have any stories of your own that you'd like to share, any topics that you'd like me to explore. I can be reached by email at afraidofthebarkpodcast.gmail.com. Facebook is A-Y-A-O-T-B podcast. Instagram is Afraid of the Bark. Sorry, there was just a knock on my door and nobody's there, so I'm freaking out. I need to leave this apartment. Uh, okay, where was I? That was really creepy. Okay. Email, afraidofthebarkpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook, AYAOTV podcast. Instagram, afraidofthebarkpodcast. Twitter, afraidofthebark. Reach out to me. Maybe just reach out to me, make sure that I'm still alive, because I don't know what that knock was, and there was definitely no one outside my door. At least Coco has come to sit with me right now. So like I said, get a pet <laughs> just to have another, you know, living thing in your apartment with you when you read scary stories all day. It's fine. I'm just, I'm fine. I just get really worked up. You know, these stories get me really worked up. Anyway, thanks for joining me for this episode 19. Hope to see you again for episode 20. Can you believe it? Episode 20, next Friday. It's been a pleasure having you on the other side of this microphone. I wish you nothing but the happiest of New Year's. And as always, I'd like to thank you for joining me and to wish you sweet dreams tonight. Thanks for listening. Ha, ha, ha.